Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning, turn to Luke chapter 5, just keep it open there. That's pretty much where we're going to stay through the message this morning. And then at the end of the message, we're going to be doing water baptisms, and that's an exciting thing, amen? Seeing people determining to follow Jesus Christ in a very public manner, as He's instructed us to do. A couple of things I want you to know, uh, several people have asked me about the beard and why I'm doing this. Well, it's not by choice, I'll put it that way, all right? I had surgery on my neck two years ago, or two weeks ago, seems like two years ago, two weeks ago in the incision, uh, they told me not to shave around it. So because of that, I've just let it all grow. So I thought, uh, talking to Yvonne the other night, I thought, you know, we ought to have some fun with this thing. And I think we should do a save it or shave it contest. What do you think? Yeah. I'm thinking that if you're on the side of save it, or if you're on the side of shave it, Whoever brings in the most money, and this is what we're going to do, the finances will be used to start a brand new church, a church plant in Belgium, to either a German or a French language group. Talked with our missionary Bill Swartz last night. He's excited about it, excited about our participation. So it's not just about shaving whiskers, it's about establishing and building the kingdom of God. Listen, everything we do should be about establishing and building the kingdom of God. Amen. So next Sunday, you'll have a card that will be handed out to you. You can choose save it or you can choose shave it. You can put an amount of money in there that you're going to give towards it. And if you say shave it, then on December 1st, this stuff is gone. But if you say save it, then on January 1st, this stuff is gone. It's not going to be forever. There is an expiration date. And my wife is very happy about that for sure. But anyway, we want you to participate with us. Let's have some fun with it, and let's see what uh, God's going to do. Amen? Don't forget to be with us Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, right here in the sanctuary in Philippians chapter 3. We also have student ministries. Pastor Isaiah is in the middle of a series entitled, Run Your Race, and Impact Girls, Royal Rangers for Elementary and our preschool children as well. There's something for every member of the family right here on Wednesday night, and if you're not a part, you're missing out. So come and join us and let God speak into your lives. Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning. We're going to read verses 1 through 11, only we're not reading them all at one time. We're going to go through this passage a section at a time. And as we consider this passage of Scripture, I want to challenge you to go deeper with God than you've ever went before. Because that's really what the Scripture is all about. We know it's the story of the miraculous catch of fishes, where Peter launched out into the deep and came back with so many fish, the boats began to sink and he had to call for help. That's the story. But there's a lot more to this than just Peter, who was a fisherman, catching a bunch of fish. So we're going to dig down a little deeper today, and we're going to see what the Spirit of God is saying through the Scripture to you and to me. First, I want you to consider, when Jesus was walking on this earth and ministering on this planet, what did He confront more than any other aspect of human nature? Can you think about that? What was it? That he was constantly in their grill, constantly at it, constantly trying to break it down and destroy it. It was organized religion. It was religion as man at that point in that time knew it. He was constantly confronting organized religion that is ran by human nature. Because at that point, just like today, 
Men have tried to contain God in a little box of our own definition. This is who God is. This is what God does. This is how God responds. We put him in a box and we try to keep him there. My friend, all you have to do is open your eyes and look around. You can see that's happening today. Politicians often try to use religion as a hook to pull you and I to their side. But that's all it is. It's a hook. There's no reality. There's no aspect of changed life. You and I have to understand religion will not get you anywhere. And that was the point of Jesus' ministry. There's a better way. There's a better way to live. There is a way to know God. Can I just say it this morning? Jesus Christ is still the way, the truth, and the life. Even yet today, no man comes to the Father except through Him. Too often, though, we define God in that little box as our religion, and we're all about the appearances. It's all about what we can control. Listen, if you serve a God you can control, you're serving the wrong God. If you serve a God that you order around, you're serving the wrong God. If you're serving a God that has to do everything you tell Him to do, you're serving the wrong God. I have no desire to serve a God that I can control. And when we realize in this passage what Jesus is saying is that religion is shallow and religion is safe. But religion will never be life-giving. And I don't know about you, but I want to find a Lord who's able to speak life into my life and bring change into me. Religion is what Jesus calls us out of into a life-giving relationship with Him. So what I want you to understand this morning, your definitions of who God is, your impressions of what God does may not be accurate. So would you simply open your heart? Would you simply allow the Spirit of God to speak deeply to you this morning? Will you allow Him to challenge you, to bring change within you, so that when we conclude this service today, you can say, I choose to go deeper with God. I choose to get out of the shallow water. I want to go in the river of God where it's a river to swim in, where He carries me and buoys me and guides me and directs me. So look at Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 3 with me this morning. So it was as the multitude pressed about Him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the Lake Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, just another term for it. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, asking to put out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the multitudes from the boats. So what we see is the picture of Jesus Christ being able to minister effectively and powerfully to the crowds that were following him in the region of Capernaum, which is on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee. They had heard his teachings. They had seen his miracles to this point, and they were following him. They were desiring to hear more from him. Why were they following him? They were following because Jesus had a word. Jesus had a teaching. Jesus had a revelation that they had not heard in the synagogues, that didn't come through the rabbis, they didn't learn in rabbinical school, they were hearing something that literally was life-changing. I'm very hesitant to use that phrase, life-changing, because it seems that every preacher in the world, every Sunday, has a life-changing word. I seriously doubt that, to be honest with you. But when Jesus Christ spoke, His word was life-changing. 
It altered men's destinies. It turned their lives around. It caused them to consider and to contemplate where I am and where God wants me to be. And as a result, crowds thronged to him to hear his word, that life-changing message. They didn't come to hear religious ideas. They didn't come to hear more Judaism. They came to hear the word of God. And Jesus, catch this, was speaking at their level with truth and with grace. He was confronting them where they lived with truth and with grace. I'm so glad that he doesn't just beat us up with truth, but he shows us grace so that we can step out and respond to that word of truth. And that word of truth makes a difference in our life through his grace and through his mercy working within us. The crowds were pressed in so tight, the scripture says, that Jesus needed some space. He needed to be able to back away from them to deliver the word to them that day. He saw two empty boats sitting there at the shore. Called into one of them, which happened to belong to Peter. And he said to Peter, push me out a little ways so I can speak to this crowd, so I can teach this crowd. Now here's what I want you to know. This wasn't Peter's first encounter with Jesus. Matter of fact, you can read it in John chapter 1. It says that Andrew, Peter's brother, heard Jesus. He went back and found Peter, and he can't say to him, come and see the Messiah. Come and see the one. And when Peter showed up before Jesus, Jesus spoke prophetically into his life. He said, you can read it, John 1, 42. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. You will now be called Cephas. And that's in the Aramaic. The Greek word was Petros, which means Peter. So at that moment in time, he spoke destiny into him. Peter, not knowing that just a few uh, years later, he would stand and say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Make that confession that echoes through the centuries that brings changes into people's heart and people's life. So he already knew Jesus. Matter of fact, the day prior, read Luke chapter 4, the day prior, Peter's mother-in-law lived in the city of Capernaum. The scripture says they came out of the temple, Jesus and those following him. And they went to Peter's mother-in-law's house, and she was sick with the fever. So in that moment, Jesus touched her and healed her. Peter knew about Jesus. He had been around Jesus. Jesus had spoke directly into his life, prophetically into his destiny, and he had healed his mother-in-law. So he knew about Jesus. That's why he obeyed. But listen to me. Write this down. At this point, Peter was a fan. He was not a follower. And that's my question this morning. Are you a fan of Jesus or are you a follower of Jesus? Because those two things are worlds apart. They can't even be compared. A fan is there to cheer him on. A fan is there to say great job. A fan is there to see the miracles. But a follower of Jesus Christ is going to go where he goes. Do what he do, does. Endure what he endures. A follower of Jesus Christ would be like the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Philippi, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. You see, fans stop with the power of the resurrection, but followers say, take me where you want me to go. Lead me where you desire to be. Walk me through what you want me to walk through. I'm still going to follow you. I'm still going to trust you. If there's a message the American church needs to hear today, it's stop following men and stop, start following Jesus. Follow Jesus Christ. 
Listen, I don't care where you're at on the election. It doesn't matter to me. But I'm telling you, if you are in despair because of it, or if your hope soared because of it, your eyes are on the wrong place. Stop being a fan of Jesus and be a follower of Jesus. Sell out to him. Give him your all. Hold nothing back and follow the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He was a fan, but he wasn't a follower. Look at verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out in the deep water. Let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Here's a picture of Peter's life at this point, Simon's life at this point. Jesus wants to take him where he's never been. He wants to show him what he's never seen. He wants to prove to him things he has hitherto thought impossible. Will Peter do it is the question. Is he willing to obey? That's the issue. He said, Lord, don't you understand? I'm a fisherman. We were out there all night. We didn't catch a stinking thing. We got skunked. Nothing to show for it. We didn't make a dime. We just worked our tails off last night. And at that point in time, you realize that his objection shows he's a faithful helper. He's a fan, but he's not yet a follower of Jesus Christ. He put Jesus in that little box in his life where the Judaism had occupied. He put Jesus in that little box and said, you can have this part of my life but don't touch this part of my life. Folks, I'm reading some of your mail this morning. You need to hear it. You need to stop saying, God, you can have an hour and a half on Sunday morning, but that's it. Stop compartmentalizing your relationship with Jesus and let him blow your life up. Let him wreck you. Let him revolutionize you. Let him turn you around and make you a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's way too many fans in the kingdom and too few followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying to him, Peter, it's time to get out of the safe zone. It's time to get out of the safe zone. That's for somebody in this room, somebody online this morning, because that's where you've been living. You've been living in the shallow waters. You've been living in the safe zone. Oh, don't ask me, Lord. Don't ask me, Lord, to tell somebody about you. I'm too timid. I'm afraid. I don't have the right words. I don't have the right education. Listen, friend, all you have to know is that Jesus is real. He's alive. He transformed your life. And if you know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, tell somebody what he's done. Somebody said, well, I don't know Scripture. You don't need to know Scripture. You need to know that Jesus has done something in your life. What people want to hear is what God has done for you and that he's real, he's alive, he's powerful. And what he did for you, he can do for them. So if God has ever healed you, you ought to tell somebody that he has. If God has ever provided for you, you ought to tell somebody that he has. If God has ever forgiven your sins and turned your life around, you ought to tell somebody that he has. If God has ever broke the chains of addiction off your life, you should tell somebody that he has. Stop living in the safe zone. At this point of human history, we are opposed at the greatest opportunity to build the kingdom of God that we've ever seen. I believe COVID-19 
came to the United States of America and to the world so that the church of Jesus Christ could rise up and say, you may not have the answer. The CDC may not have the answer. They may not have the cure, but I've got an answer that's going to see you through. I've got an answer that will keep you. I've got an answer that will settle you and make you stable and secure in the presence of a living God. Oh, come on, church. It's time to rise up. Get out of the safe zone. Get out of the shallow water. And start telling people what God has done for you. Look at that scripture. Peter said, we fished all night long. We've been out there. We're exhausted. We're tired. We're cleaning our nets. Probably if Peter's anything like me and you're up all night long, he may have been in a bit of a lousy mood. I haven't had my coffee yet, Jesus. What are you talking about? Leave me alone. I need to go home and go to bed. As soon as I finish cleaning my nets, I'm done, and I get to rest. He was exhausted. But Jesus asked him to do something in the middle of his lack. When he lacked the strength, when he lacked the resolve, when he lacked the ability, when he lacked the effort and the energy, in the middle of his lack, Jesus said, cast out into the deep. Peter said, oh no, you don't understand. I've been doing this all night long, and I didn't catch a thing. Look at verse 4 one more time. Jesus, when Jesus finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let the nets down for a catch. Now, you know, I don't know much about fishing. There's several of you in here that are great fishermen, and you've tried time and again to get me to go with you. You may as well quit singing that song. I'm not going fishing. You put a shotgun in my hand and we'll go bird hunting all day long. But I am not going to sit out there on the lake or on the gulf and cast a rod and a reel for hours on end and get nothing for it. That's boring. I'm not going to do that. I don't know much about fishing, but I know men. And you know what I know? I know men don't like to be given directions. My wife will verify that. We would just prefer you left us alone and we'll figure it out on our own. Don't tell me what to do. Watch, it. Watch out over there. I heard that, amen. What we see is that Jesus is saying to Peter, I want you to do something that you already know how to do. But I want you to do it differently. I want you to take a different tact. I want you to do it in a different way. I can almost see Peter thinking to himself, now wait a minute, Jesus you're a carpenter from Nazareth. I'm a fisherman for Capernaum. I do this for a living. This is the way I feed my family. I've done it all my life. My father was a fisherman. We were raised in these boats on this lake. I know fishing. Don't be telling me to do something that makes no sense to me and giving me directions. Why? Because his identity was in his profession. His identity was in who he was. And Jesus is challenging him to change his identity to who God has called him. Change his identity from what he did for a living to what God is calling him to do for life. And I believe he's talking to many of us the same way today. Stop identifying yourself by I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm an accountant, I'm an engineer, I'm a mechanic, I'm a plumber, I'm a carpenter, I'm a nurse. Change your identity from what you do to who you are in him. Because who you are in Him will surpass, will overflow, will allow you to become all that God has called you to be. Peter knew two things about this command from Jesus, cast out into the deep for a catch. 
he knew two things because he was a fisherman. He knew, number one, it's the wrong time of day to be going fishing on the Sea of Galilee. You're not going to catch anything in broad daylight. And he knew, number two, it's the wrong part of the lake to catch anything at this time of the day. He knew that it wasn't going to work. That was Peter's objection. This isn't going to work. You can tell me it's going to work, but I'm telling you, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Have you ever been there where you had that argument with God? Am I the only one? I'm, Lord, I'm the only honest person in this room this morning. <laughs> Forgive the rest of these folks. They're just lying through their teeth. Every one of us have been there where we had that argument with God. God, I live here. I've been down this road. I know that's not going to work. You may as well give it up. Let's try something else. This, Lord, is what I think will work. And I'm almost sure Peter's saying, let's wait until dark. Let's wait until nightfall. Let me get some rest, and then I'll go back out, and then I'll get that catch. Jesus was telling him to do something that made no sense to him. Peter said, we worked hard all night, and we haven't caught a single thing. Yet you can see him looking at Jesus. You can see the wheels of his mind turning in the Scripture. And he's saying that, yeah, but he told me something about myself I didn't know. Something different about this dude. You can see the wheels turning and you're saying, yeah, but yesterday he just healed my mother-in-law. There's something different about this dude. Folks, when God asks you to do something that makes no logical sense in your life, obey him. Because he knows the end from the beginning. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He has your best interest at heart. And when God says to do something, he's already got it figured out. He knows what's going to occur. He knows how it's going to happen. And you need to hook your wagon to the king of kings and follow him. Do what he asks you to do. Peter said, I've worked all night and we've caught nothing. Notice Jesus doesn't respond. Just quiet. Just looking at him. Those of you who had kids, did you ever pull that with them? Oh, I did it all the time. I'd say, go do this. They'd give me all these arguments. I'd just sit there and look at them. Not say a word. Eventually, they came to the place where they realized, I'm not changing my mind. Because if I was changing my mind, I would have told them so. But by not saying anything, I'm telling them, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. Jesus is telling him, this is what you need to do. You need to get out of the shallow water and go deeper with me to see things you've never seen, to experience things you thought impossible, to walk in places you've never walked, to see doors open that has always been closed. Get out of the shallow water and walk in the deep. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. He just looks at Peter. Finally, verse 5, Peter says, all right, whatever. He doesn't have any faith. None whatsoever. He's just simply obeying. Folks, there's a scriptural truth there. There may be times in your life when you don't have the faith to believe God will do what God says He will do. But if you will just obey, obey, you will see Him do things that will blow your mind. If you will simply take the step and begin following him, move from a fan to a follower and watch what God will do in your life. It's almost with resignation. Peter says, okay, if you say so, then I'll do it. Three things very quick I'm going to leave with you about going deeper with God. Write this down. Number one, when we choose to get out of the shallow water 
and go deeper with the Lord Jesus Christ, he destroys that false identity we have built about ourselves. He destroys it. And he gives us a new identity that's based on our destiny that's already spoken into our lives. Too many times today our primary identity is our accomplishments, our occupation, our family, where we live, where we work, who we are. But the problem is God doesn't live in compartments. You can't put him in that little box and say, you have an hour and a half on Sunday morning. No, he wants to destroy that. He wants to blow it apart and he wants to take you where you have never been before. Write this down and remember it. God's not the God of religion. God is the God of life. God is the God of life. Do you want religion or do you want life? Do you want teachings and rules and regulations? Or do you want the life of God flowing through you in such a powerful way it revolutionizes everything in you? When you and I recognize and realize sometimes for the very first time that God is God of all, it changes the way we respond to Him. What was the setting? Where they're at? They weren't in the synagogue. They're on the seashore. They're on the beach of the Sea of Galilee when Jesus is speaking his words to him. There's another principle you need to hear. Too many times folks say, I need to go to church. I need to get a word. You listen to me very carefully. God, when you choose to follow him, will speak more to you outside of this building than he will inside this building. You will hear his voice 24-7. He will guide you. He will direct you. He will influence and direct your life. And he will make you an influence to those around you when you choose to stop being a fan and become a follower. He'll speak more to you outside this building than he will inside this building. Look at verse 6. They did what he said. And it says, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. Peter didn't find this experience because he wanted to do it. He found this experience because he chose to obey. And when you choose to obey, even though it may not make sense to you, when you choose to follow God, when you choose to get out of the shallow water and launch out into the deep, you'll find God does things that blow your mind. Oh, somebody needs to hear me today. You need to understand, we're not serving some mealy-mouthed, measly little God. We're not serving some God made of wood or stone. We're serving the Lord God of the universe. We're serving the Creator. We're serving the God who says, I am that I am. We're serving the God who said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the life. I am the hope. I am the future for everyone who trusts in me. That's who we're serving. So stop putting him in a box and let him do something that blows your mind. They caught so many fish. The nets begin to break. The boats begin to sink. Peter had to call to the shore for more help so they could get that catch in and bring it to the shoreline. And in that moment, the light comes on. At that moment, the light comes on. Peter moves from a fan to a follower. At that moment. He realizes this Jesus He probably is who my brother said. He is the Messiah. He is the promised one. He is the one that is going to change lives and change the world. Verse 8. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. What is he saying by that statement? Depart from me, I'm a sinful man. What just happened? 
He obeyed even though he didn't want to. The word of Jesus came true. He caught the most fish he'd ever caught in his entire life as a fisherman. And now he goes back with the realization, this dude is God. And when that dawns on him, he steps back and says, wait a minute. I'm not sure I'm ready for that. Wait a minute. I'm not sure that's what I want. Wait a minute. I'm not sure I'm ready for that type of a power encounter. Somebody needs to hear me today. You came close. You've been warmed by the fires of the Holy Spirit. God has moved in your life. But then you threw on the brakes. You said, wait a minute. I'm not ready for all that. I don't want all that. I want to keep it where I can contain it. Keep it where I can control it. And God is saying to you this morning, if you're going to go deeper, you've got to stop saying, wait a minute. I'm not ready. And start saying, take me deeper. Take me deeper. Take me deeper. Number two, going deeper with Jesus forces us to stand before His goodness and His grace. Everything else is stripped away. And we see His goodness. And we see His grace. When Peter calls Jesus Lord in that previous verse that we just read, he's using a different word that he used in verse 5. In this verse, the word that he's using is kurios. And the Greek word literally by the Jews was reserved for a description of God. So when he calls him Lord, he's saying, you're God. You're who my brother said you were. I have a revelation. I understand now what Andrew was saying. And when you really encounter God, when you stand before him, full of his goodness and full of his grace, you suddenly realize you are curios. You are God. You are Lord. You are Master. You are the one who distort, determines and controls our lives. It takes you to a place for your realization. Your revelation of Jesus Christ helps you understand you so much more than you ever thought. So much greater than you ever dreamed. I believe at that moment in time, when Peter said, you are Lord, you are curious. He was saying it this way, you are El Shaddai. Lord God Almighty. I believe he was saying, you are Adonai. You are my Lord and my Master. I believe he was saying, you are Yahweh. You are Lord. I believe he was saying, you are Jehovah Nisi. You are my banner. You are Jehovah Rapha, my shepherd. You are Jehovah Rapha, my healer. You are Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is always there. You are Elohim, the creator of the universe. You are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. You are Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. In a moment, he figured out who God was. That Jesus was God in the flesh standing before him. I pray this morning that some of you come to that same revelational experience that you acknowledge. We're not here just singing about a name or a person. We're singing about the Lord God of the universe. We're following Jesus Christ, the great I am. We're pursuing him, his will, his way, his desire in and over our life because we recognize he is God. Peter recognized it at that moment. And we have that same encounter. It revolutionizes our life. It's happened time and again through the scripture. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1. Isaiah was the prophet. He was serving under King Uzziah. King Uzziah was a good king. Serving the God. Serving God. Pursuing God. And it says in chapter 6 verse 1 of the book of Isaiah. And in the year that King Uzziah died... 
I saw the Lord. Think about that for just a moment. What have you put between you and your vision of the Lord? Is it your job? Is it your family? Is it your health? Is it your retirement? Is it your money? Is it your hopes and dreams and future? What is standing between you and a revelation of God? He said, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. He goes on to describe that scene. Then in verse 5, he says these words, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am unclean, and I'm a man among an unclean people. You see, when we have a revelation of who God is, of how great Jesus is, as how powerful Jesus can be, of all that He has done and will do, suddenly we pale in significance. Suddenly who I am diminishes to nothing because I recognize who He is. Suddenly at that point in time, something changes in me. When I see Him, I become small and He becomes great. Folks, if you're looking at people and watching people and following people, they're all about me, all about what I have done, all about my talents and my accomplishments. Get your eyes off of them and see Jesus for the first time. You'll realize how insignificant we are, how great and mighty He is, and out of your mouth is going to flow praise, wonder, adoration at the true nature of our living God. It's time to have an encounter with Jesus. Where we recognize who He is. And number three, those of you who are going to be baptized, would you please slip out at this moment and get prepared. The third thing I want to leave you with, this, with you this morning is going deeper with God means our life now has a mission. There are too many believers who think, well, I'm here on the earth, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, and that's all there is to it. No, folks. When you really know Jesus, when you're following Him, when you're a fan, when you're not a fan but a follower... He's going to give you a mission in your life. He's going to direct your steps. Look at verse 11. So when they brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed Him. It's one of the most defining statements in all of Scripture. When they brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed Him. That statement declares very clearly, very assuredly, that by every indication, now what did what had just happened? They just had the biggest catch of their life. What were they? They were fishermen. How did they make their living? By selling the fish they caught. And all of a sudden, the biggest catch they had ever had in their entire life diminished when they recognized Jesus. Faded away when they acknowledged who He was. When their life suddenly had purpose and meaning and mission besides just making another dollar. Everything changed in them. They now had a mission. And they turned their back on the biggest financial gain they ever had for the purpose of following Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not suggesting, don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting you quit your job tomorrow morning, heaven forbid. Don't do that. Don't be silly. But I am suggesting there are things in our lives we need to forsake so that we can follow Him. Maybe it's that 22 hours of TV you watch every day or every week. Maybe you need to lay it aside so you can follow Him. Maybe it's that desire to pursue your hobby to the extent you ignore your family and ignore your commitments to the living God. Maybe you need to forsake that. Friend, life is all about balance. And when things are out of balance, 
God is going to be working in us to bring them back into balance. Everything they had dreamed of happened at the word of Jesus Christ. But even though they had the most fish they had ever caught at one time, the biggest payday they had ever seen, they walked away from it to follow Jesus Christ. What do you need to walk away from? What do you need to lay down? What do you need to give to Him? The word followed in that scripture means a deep inward attachment. In other words, their heart was suddenly attached to Jesus Christ. They couldn't go back to fishing if they wanted to because they now had a mission. They had a goal. They had an objective. And it was following Jesus Christ. Going deeper with God means life suddenly has divine purpose that's poured out in us. When we recognize who He is, obey His word, follow Him out of the shallow water into the deep water, then we're going to see God do great things and give us purpose in life. Matter of fact, let me take it one step further. When they saw that big catch of fish, the nets were breaking, the boats were sinking, they never caught that many in their life before, they never dreamt of that kind of a result. But when they saw that big catch of fish, and then they heard Jesus had made it possible, suddenly they said, hey, His mission is a little better than our mission. His goal is a little greater than our goal. His purposes are a little higher than our purposes. Oh, somebody hear me this morning. It's time to understand God has a purpose for your life. And when you get out of the shadow water and begin following into the deep, everything that seemed important to you fades in importance so that everything He wants to do in you becomes your focus and your objective. Life is a mission. You see, that's what happens when... We understand there's a huge difference between just getting up, going to work, taking care of life business, and knowing we're doing what God has appointed us to do. Now listen to me, God needs doctors and lawyers and accountants. He needs mechanics and plumbers and nurses. He needs people that clean houses. He needs people in every aspect of humanity to touch that aspect of humanity. So don't think I'm saying that in order to go deeper, you've got to abandon your occupation. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that your occupation has to be secondary to the call of God on your life. And you've got to understand that when He calls us into His purpose, when He calls us into His, bus in his business, He's actually redefining our lives. I may still be a fisherman. I still may be a farmer. I still may be a shopkeeper. I may still be a businessman. But I do it differently because I'm going deeper with God. My priority is using that means to take the gospel to those who have never heard. When we go, let me say it this way. Maybe you'll understand this will resonate. When we choose to go deeper with God, we become a part of the family business. I want that to settle into your heart. We become a part of the family business. We become interested in doing what the Father is doing. Not what I want to do, not what I dream or imagine, but what the Father has already determined for me. And I become a part of the family business. What's the family business? I think Jesus said it this way. Go into all nations. Preach the gospel to all men. 
Whoever believes and baptized shall be saved. I think he said it like this. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the world. The family business is taking the gospel, the good news, the message of redemption to a lost and a dying world. And when you and I say, I'm going deeper, it doesn't matter how we earn a paycheck. What matters is we're in the family business and we're going to work with God to accomplish His will. Because His will is that none perish, but that all come to repentance. What's He waiting on? You know, the amazing thing to me, the amazing thing to me, is that God is willing to partner with people like me and people like you to take the most wonderful message the world has ever heard to those who don't know. And, and here's the amazing thing. He knows that we're failure-prone. He knows that we chicken out. He knows that we mess things up. But in spite of our frailties and our failures, He said, I've chosen to put you in the family business, and when you go deeper with me, I'm going to flow through you. I'm going to use you. Life will be changed because of you when you choose to do what God's asking you to do. Listen, Jesus didn't save you from something. He saved you to something. He saved you to put you in the business of the Father. That's taking the gospel to the entire world. That day, on the Sea of Galilee, Peter lost his religion. Oh God, I would that people would lose their religion and find a relationship with the living Christ. Find the hope that only comes through Him. I believe that this morning, musicians, would you return please? I believe this morning... God is calling to some of us in this room. He's calling us out of the shallow water into the deep water. He's calling us to places we have never been, to see things we have never seen, to witness things we thought impossible. He's calling us into the family business. I believe He's speaking to people in this room, people online, and He's speaking to those of you driving down the road or sitting in your living room listening to the radio. He's calling you right now, just as He called Peter. 2,000 years ago, Peter, launch out into the deep. You'll have a great catch. He's saying to you this morning, if you will abandon the shallow water, abandon your religion, and follow me, you'll find a relationship that will redefine, that will change your life. That's what happened to Peter. That's what's happening in this room this morning. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're watching online, you're going to respond in just a moment. You're in this room today, and you say, Pastor, more than anything, I want to go deeper with God. I'm tired of religion. I'm tired of its trappings. I'm tired of its rituals. I'm tired of its powerlessness. I'm tired of the fact that it's ineffective. It doesn't help me. I want to go deeper and find Jesus. I want to experience the Lord of the universe in my life. That's you, right where you sit. Just slip up the hand and say, pray for me. Online, just slip up that hand and say, pray for me. On the radio in your living room, slip up that hand, pray for me. I want to go deeper. Yes, yes, across this room today. Hands are going up. Hands are being raised. Online, hands are being raised. Driving down the road, keep your left hand on the wheel and raise that right hand. I want to go deeper right now. I want to go deeper. I want to be a part of the Father's business. I want to start being a religious Christian. 
And I want to be an alive believer in Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray for every one of you right now. We're doing things differently this morning because of the baptisms. But when we conclude this service, if you raised your hand, I want you to tell someone beside you or around you, I'm going deeper. I'm chasing after Jesus. I'm no longer a fan. I'm a follower. And I'm going to let him take me to the deep water so I can see things I've never seen. The experience thing I always thought impossible. So I can see the hand of God move in my life. Father, right now I pray for each one of these who slipped up their hand. There were 30 or 40 in this room, at least. And only you know how many online and how many on the radio. Lord, believe that hundreds of, we believe that hundreds of people right now, both today and in the future as they watch this broadcast, are going to raise that hand and say, take me deeper. Take me deeper. I'm tired of living in the shallows. I want to go deeper with you. Lord, everyone that slipped up that hand, visit them now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Descend upon them. Break addictions. Break off of them excuses. Break off of them the religiosity that has held them bound. And take them into the deeper water. Because Lord, I know when they obey you and respond to you, you do something in them that will blow their mind. Now let the Holy Spirit of the living God fill their hearts, fill their lives, fill their thinking. Lord, when they go home this afternoon, they're not going to home to watch the NFL. They're going home to see what your word says to them. They're not going home to play golf. They're going home to see what your word says to them. They're not going home to go hiking or walking for their exercise. They're going home to see what your word says to them. When they go home today and leave this room and leave this service, let there be such a profound difference occurring in their life. The things they once desired have lost their appetite. And now all they desire is to go deeper with Jesus. Go deeper with Jesus. Go deeper with Jesus. Go deeper with Him. Would you make that your commitment today? I'm going to go deeper. I know there's going to be some costs, some things are going to be left aside, but it's worth it to pursue the Master. I'm going to go deeper and let Him do great things in my life. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 1030 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.